I believe that uh, positive feedback in a message makes the message a lot better, by the way. And so I hope you are ready to respond. I don't know what background you came from or where, what kind of a religious background or whether you had a religious background growing up or not a religious background growing up. But uh, I don't know if anybody's told you that you got to look, you got to come in and you got to look professional and put together and you got to, you got to be stoic and you got to be still and you got to not in here. Come on. <laughs> so it's all right to give a little amen, a little let's do this, a little say that again, a little mm-hmm. I mean, whatever. Okay, so uh, you're not at the movies. You're not here to watch me. We're here to participate and, uh, and have our hearts open for what God wants to do in our lives. And so I hope you came expecting today. Um, if you are as ready to receive the word as I am to give it, we got a great Sunday ahead of us. So you ready? Okay, John chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. We are in a series called uh, I Love My Church. And this is the fourth and final part of I Love My Church today. And so if you're just joining us today, uh, we have been looking at this idea of the church. Why is the church important? Why do I need to be a part of it? Week one, we talked about how church is not a, a place you go to. It's a family you belong to. We talked about how the church is not a, uh, a country club for its members, but it's a hospital for sinners that need help, that this is the church that we have. This is the church that we are, is that we are a church that welcomes all people. We welcome everybody. Everyone's welcome here. We talked about that in week one. Week two, Pastor Bubba shared about the heartbeat of our house and to, to reach people and build families, how we want to build families here, how we want to reach our community and transform our community. Uh, and then last week, week three, we talked about we is better than we is better than me. Okay, good. So make sure you were listening. We talked about how when, when me meets he, he pushes us into we. You got a chance to see me try to lift some weights, which by the way, I was very sore on Monday. And um, the thankful for these guys that we talked about how we need each other in our lives. We talked about it's not just us. We don't just come just for us, but we come for the we that we're to stir up one another, encourage one another, challenge one another. I would encourage you to go to OSCConnect.com. You can watch all of those messages, hear them all over again. But today we are in part four and we are in John chapter one today. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We got some notes for you that should have the scriptures on there as well as our electronic Bible is going to be on the screen for you. Um, And so we're going to help you out there as well. John chapter one, if you're there, say I'm there. All right, John chapter 1, verse 35, it says this. It says, The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. By the way, that's John the Baptist, just so, just so we make that clear. Verse 36, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and he declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and what? See. Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. And Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John but you will be called Peter. Let's pray real quick. Father, we love you. God, thank you for these people. We're here today. And I know you're here today. 
And I pray that we would have open ears, open eyes, and open hearts to receive what you want to say to us. And then, God, hopefully live out what you're trying to tell us to do, God. We, we thank you today. God, today I pray for all of our people in this room that are mourning the loss of LSU. I pray that you would comfort them in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. We'll have prayer partners up here on the front for everybody that needs some, wants to talk about less miles. Okay. Um, Beginning of, uh, or the end of last year, I did something that I've never done before. Um, I, I'm a type of guy who loves sports. I love playing sports. I love watching sports. Um, and how many know in Louisiana, and I grew up in Texas, the main sports in those states is football. Yeah, football is king. I mean, I played it. Um, I played baseball in uh, high school and all throughout elementary school. I, I played basketball. I played all those things. But I did something this past uh, end of last year that I've never done before, and that is I coached soccer. Now, listen, I know soccer is an international sport, and everybody knows it everywhere, but we are not in international. We're in Louisiana. Louisiana, you play football. You don't play soccer. But I had a son that wanted to play soccer, so being the dad that I am, I didn't want to stay. Listen, it's better for me to coach than to be on the sideline. You don't want me on the sideline. All right, but I need to coach him up. So, of course, I get into, you know, nobody wants to coach, especially seven-year-olds. And, uh, and so they were like, yeah, we need some coaches. I'm like, okay, I'll, I got it. I'll coach. Now, here's the thing. I've never played soccer. I don't even watch soccer. I didn't know the rules of soccer. I literally, we showed up. And they were like, the, the kids are like, well, coach, what are we doing? Kick the ball and go. I don't know. Kick the ball and go. That's, that's about to sum it up. I don't know if you've ever watched six, seven-year-olds play soccer. It's like cats all over the field, just hurtling each other, trying to get a ball. I mean, there's like 10 kids all on the field trying to get one tiny little ball. And they kick it and they all run. And they kick it and they all run. It's like all, of, all you're just trying to keep them on the field. I didn't know, though, also with, the, with the, the game of soccer, it wasn't really just soccer was the important part. It was the snacks. Snacks was a vital part of soccer. I didn't realize that. You got mamas calling me. What are we doing about snacks? Snacks? What are you talking about? I had salt chips whenever I was a kid. We didn't do snacks. I didn't realize as a part of this, you're going to have six and seven-year-olds. you got to make snacks a big deal. So, I mean, uh, kids were looking forward to coming to soccer to drink their Capri Sun and eat their goldfish. <laughs> Trying to see who can sit on the bench the longest. Coach, what do you want me to do? I don't know. Just kick the ball. Just kick the ball. They were, but the problem was they were kicking the ball in their own goal, like helping the other team out, high-fiving the other team. I'm like, you are the MVP, MVP on their team. And so this was, it was craziness. I, so I had to go and I was trying to Google what the rules are when I was here. You know, the ref is like, that's offsides. I'm like, I didn't see any line, scrimmage line. I don't know what you're talking about here. I didn't know the rules. I didn't know how it works. So I'm reading all these rules on, on how things work. But how many know with seven-year-olds, rules don't really matter anyways? I, so I just told him, just listen, you just push people and go kick it in the goal. Right, that's probably how we're going to do it. We're going to be physical. We're going to be physical. Do some football rules. And so this, uh, by the way, I, t- I took a picture of our, our team, by the way. This was our team last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't cheer too much. Um, we have number one, but we were not number one. We were more like number 10, but that's okay. We felt like number one at the end of the season. How many of you know everybody gets a, everybody gets a medal? That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. We weren't number one. We got a medal anyways. 
I'm still trying. Anyway, so that's a, that's a personal thing I got to deal with here. Okay, so, but this is our team. Uh, man, we, we, they felt like number one at the end. And by the way, after all this, we had Capri Suns and Goldfish. So you can take that off. So this was our team. This was our, our soccer team. I didn't know all the rules. I mean, I went into it kind of trying to figure it out. And I told the team, hey, listen, main goal, score goal. Score more points than they score. We're going to be good. We're going to be all right. That's, that's kind of the main thing. Uh, I don't know the rest of the rules. I bring that up is because many of us, we come into church and we kind of are like this, like seven-year-olds on a soccer field. Like you come in and you don't really know what all the rules are. And you don't really know exactly what you're doing. You kind of just kind of walking around like, do I stand? Do I not stand? Do I sit over here? Do I not sit over here? Do I go over here? What, what's going on? And there's kind of, you feel like there's kind of like these unspoken rules of what you're supposed to do when you come to church and not come to church. And there's kind of these things like, what am I supposed to wear? What am I supposed to not? Anybody y'all know what I'm talking about? You kind of got these unspoken things of what's happening. And so I want to just kind of strip all of that away and let you know that when you come in here, there's really not a lot of rules. There's just one really big thing that we want to make the main thing that we do. Just like scoring goals is for soccer for us. It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. Everything that we do is about Jesus. I could care less about the rules and the regulations. And if you wear a hat in here or you don't wear a hat or if you got your Sunday best or if you got your Sunday worst, I don't care. Because it's all about Jesus. Everything that we do is about Jesus. Everything that we, we build our lives is around Jesus. And we have a mission here at OSC, which is to reach people and... Good. That's awesome. Reach people and build lives. That's, that's a part of the mission of what we do is to reach people and to build lives. Now we go and we read this story of John, uh, in John chapter one. It's the story of John. John the Baptist is the first guy that's on the scene. Now, just a little bit of a backstory. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. So he's family. And John the Baptist was preaching and had a, he had his own church. He had his own following and he had a bunch of people that were following him and he was preaching and he had, uh, he had these close, close to guys that were with him all the time and he's preaching and everything. But, but the thing that you're going to find out real quick is when Jesus shows up on the scene, what John does, as soon as Jesus shows up on the scene, John the Baptist, who's one of of extremely popular preacher at this time, as soon as Jesus shows up on the scene, he kind of takes a step back and he tells his guys, look guys. That's the man. That's the guy. Go follow that guy. He, he takes a step back. He fades in the background and he tells his top two guys, guys, go follow that guy. That guy is the guy. Which, by the way, I just want you to know that that's what we're all about. We're all about trying to take the backstage and point you to Jesus. Listen, if you leave this church, we don't want you to leave here talking about the pastor. We don't want you to leave here talking about the worship team. We want you to leave here talking about Jesus. Because he is the main thing. He is what we want to do. He is who we want you to point to. Which, by the way, if you're taking some notes, I want you just to write this down. If there's one kind of central theme in this whole message today, I want you to get this point down. And that is this. People ask, what is the point? What's the point of all this? What's the point of us coming to church? What's the point of me being here? I mean, what is the point of all this? Let me tell you what the point is. The point is that you point people to Jesus. The point of my life is that you point people to Jesus. That is the point. That's, that's the point of what we do. We're, we're not trying to point people to ourselves. We're trying to point people to Jesus. And when Jesus shows up on the scene, John the Baptist goes, that's the dude, that guy. Go follow him. That's, that's the man. All eyes on Jesus. Not on me anymore. All eyes on Jesus. 
And if there's anything that I want you to hear here at our church, listen, I, we're doing this whole I Love My Church series, and I'm glad we're talking about how we love our church and how great it is and the stories that we're hearing from it. But listen, I don't want you to leave here loving your church. I just want you to leave here loving Jesus. If you leave here loving Jesus, you'll love your church. You'll love your church. We want to be a people that make much of Jesus. He is the point. And John the Baptist has what I like to call relational equity, meaning that he's got influence in these guys' lives. As their pastor, they trust him. And so when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he says, guys, go follow him. That's the guy you want to. Guess what they do? Okay. And they go follow him because they trust that John the Baptist, what he says is true. And here's, the, here's what I want you to listen to me. And what I'm trying to say is all of us in here have relational equity. All of us have people in here that you have some influence in that you, that you can speak to. And that when you say, hey, go try this out or hey, go do this, they go, okay, I'm going to go try that. I pray that if anything, if, if there's anything that I do with my life, I'm always thinking about my eulogy. You should be too, by the way. You should be thinking about what people are going to say about you when you die one day. I want when, when I die, hopefully that people don't have to stand on the stage and lie about me. How many of you have ever been to some of those funerals? <laughs> You're like, that's not true. That's not true at all. <laughs> he was a kind and gentleman. No, he was not. No, he was not at all. Oh, he loved his kids. No, he didn't. <laughs> his kids are over there. Mm-hmm. I don't know who they're talking about. We want that at the end of our lives, that, that our lives mattered and that we're thinking about our eulogy, that at the, at the end of everything, that, that people will go, man, that guy, that woman, man, they love Jesus. They pointed people to Jesus. They did everything they could to let people know about Jesus, what he had done in their lives. The point of my life is to point people to Jesus. You see that with John the Baptist and what he does. This is the point of why we exist as a church is to point people to Jesus. That's why as a church, we're going to bring the church into the darkest places, the hardest places, the people where people are hurting in our communities. That's where our Savior's church will be. Where there's divorce, that's where our Savior's church will be. Where there's funerals, that's where our Savior's church will be. Where there's a flood, that's where our Savior's church will be because that's what we do because that's where Jesus would be. So we want to be a church that points people to Jesus, but you can't point people to Jesus unless you get with people. Y'all with me here? So we can't just let what happens in here stay in here. What happens in here has got to get out of here so that we can be a church that points people to Jesus. Now watch what happens in verse 38. So John the Baptist tells us two guys. One of them we know is Andrew. We don't know who the other guy is, but he points to his two guys and says, Hey, go follow Jesus. So they go follow Jesus. So they're following Jesus now. And I want you to watch what happens. It says they replied to rabbi. They replied rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? So they asked Jesus, Hey, where are you going? Where are you going? And, and what's his response? What is it? Come and see, which is The title of the message today, come and see. So watch what happens. So it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Now, let me just give you a little backstory on how this works. So in those days, there were rabbis and rabbis were kind of like the, the master pastors of the day. They were the pre- preachers. They were the guys who knew all the Bible. They were the guys who knew everything. And so if there was any really profession, if you wanted to go into to ministry and somehow you would go and you would get with these rabbis and these rabbis would teach you everything. And, and the problem though was, is that if you were not a good follower, they'd kick you out and then you'd have to go and do what your dad did, which is 
why Andrew and Simon and John and Peter, guess what they're, they're all doing? They're all fishermen. You know why? Because they flunked school. They're the flunkies, which by the way, if you're a flunky, it's good for you and me, okay? These are, these are the guys that got kicked out of school. And so, and so, of course, John the Baptist is going, hey guys, go, go follow that rabbi. So they're like, we get to follow a rabbi? I thought we got kicked out of here. <laughs> and so they're following Jesus and they're going, Jesus, where are, you, where are you staying? He says, come see. And so what I think they're probably thinking is, okay, they, they call him rabbi. They call him teacher. They're thinking, hey, we're going to go sit down with Jesus and then he's going to just teach us all this great stuff. We're going to learn some good stuff. But what they don't know is that they're about to walk into a house with a man who's about to change their life forever. They're going to go to Jesus' house, and it's going to change them forever. Now, if you, if you continue to read, and we will in just a minute, we don't know what happens in the house. We don't know what the conversation was like. We don't know what they talked about. We don't know what went on. All we do know, this is what we do know, they're forever changed. Their life is totally different from that point on. They were fishermen, and now they're following Jesus. Their life is totally different now. And I want you to see... What happens in verse 40? This is how we know that something just powerfully happened in that house with Jesus. Because this is what happens. Verse 40. So Andrew, Simon's brother, was one of these men who had heard what John said. And he followed Jesus. And then Andrew went to find who? He went to find his brother, Simon. I want you to write this down. Reached people, reached people. Reached people, reached People, when, when Andrew experiences God, when Andrew has an encounter with God, his first, first reaction is, where's my brother? I got I to find my brother. Because here's what happens. When you experience the grace of God for your life, when you realize that God has forgiven you, when you realize that you're new, the, the, the first thing that you want to do is you want other people to experience the same thing. So, and guess who he starts with first? His brother. Because how many know when you experience faith, family starts, or faith starts with family and friends first? It always starts there with, for, uh, with family and friends. We've seen this happen all throughout our church. And so <clears throat> this week, uh, a lot of you are helping me preach my message today, just like you did last week. Um, last, uh, this week, I, I posted a question on our OSC Jennings uh, Facebook page, and I, and I asked the question, how did you get involved or introduced to OSC? How did you get involved or introduced to OSC? Which, by the way, if you haven't read all those comments, you need to go and read them. It's actually incredibly uh, encouraging. There's like 40 or 50 comments of what I asked people if they were introduced to OSC by somebody to tag that person. And you can go and look at all that. So I went and, uh, and got a couple of these. And I, and I love the fact that in this story, when Andrew encounters Jesus, the first person he wants to go find is his brother. It's the first person. I got to find my brother. And I love it because that's the same thing that happens here. When people experience God, the first thing they want to do is, man, I got to get my husband here. Or I got to get my sister here. Or I got to get my aunt here. Or I got to get my, my crazy uncle. He's got to get here. I got to get, I get, there's just this immediate family and friends list that goes in the back of your head. Like I got to get them here. And so, uh, so it's happened. And so I took, I took some of the ones that you guys wrote, and I'm going to share one of them. Um, so this one, we can put it up, is uh, Ashley and Mike and Thibodeau. How many of y'all know Ashley and Mikey? Y'all in here? Okay. So Lindsay's sitting right there in the middle. So, so Lindsay was coming here, and this is what Ashlyn says. Lindsay Miller harassed me for nearly a year. 
She's luckily I didn't press charges. <laughs> I'm grateful for her persistence because after church hopping our entire life, we found our home. How many, how many of you know sometimes you just need to be harassed for a little bit? How many of you in here are here because somebody harassed you all the time? Okay, all right. They were harassed me. They wanted me. They were persistent about me coming. Ashlyn and Mikey were in the, the first service, by the way. They said thanks. Just wanted to let you know. So, <clears throat> but that, that, that is a picture of, man, I got to get my family here. L- Ashley and Lindsay are, are family. I got to get my family here. I got to get my family here. And, and we see this all throughout our church all the time, but I'm going to, if we could be honest for a minute, I'm going to tell you what the hardship is and what the difficulty is when it comes to inviting your friends and family. Here's, here's, let's be honest. <laughs> the difficulty is the people you love the most know you the most. Right? And so the concern is, if I start inviting my friends and my family, the problem is they know me. Like, know me. Like, everybody at the church knows me. They know me. And they know the type of person that I was or the type of person that I am. And, and if I invite them to come, then it's going to seem almost hypocritical because I'm telling them to come to Jesus because what Jesus is doing in my life, but I'm not really there yet. Anybody here with me on that? Like they, they know some of the words that I've said this week. Like they know the, the type of employee I've been or they know what my marriage is like right now. And so they, they, they're probably going to be like, are you sure you're going to go to your church? I mean, you're pretty jacked up. But can I tell you how you respond to that? Let me tell you how you respond to that. When somebody that, that you want to invite to meet Jesus or you're sharing what God is doing in your life and, and they throw your past back at you, like, oh, man, you used to be this or, man, you used to be drug or you used to be all this, and they throw it back at you, this is what you do. Let me tell you how you respond. You own it. You admit it. Man, you, you, man, you were like a drug addict, and man, you were drunk all the time, and this is what you go. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I was. You're right. I was. Man, you and your, y'all's marriage, man, it was terrible. Your marriage, man, it ain't all it is. You're right. It's not. And then what you do to even add on to that is, yeah, you know what? That's the part that you do know. There's a lot of stuff that I do that you don't even know. You want that too? Okay, so this is what, <laughs> you just add to their list. There's a lot more that's in me than you don't even realize. And you just begin to tell them, listen, listen, I, I, I know, man, that was me. Man, that is what I still struggle with. But listen, I'm a sinner that is in need of grace. I'm broken. And guess what? You're jacked up too. We both can be jacked up and we can go meet Jesus together. How about that? Y'all with me here? So you're not inviting people because you're perfect. You're inviting people because what God's doing in your heart. And so you want people to experience that too. And so we're just saying, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm on this journey too. I'm not saying I've arrived. I'm on this journey. I just would like you to be on the journey with me. That is what this looks like. Reached people, reach people. Everybody say that. Reached people, reach people. Okay, so if you've been reached and God has done a, a, a something in your heart and he's, he saved you, then we have a responsibility now as Christians to, to do a couple of things. And so I want to give you those. So here's your first one in your notes. Is that we are messengers. We are messengers. The very first thing that happens is when God does a work in your heart, he begins to make you a messenger. So first John, I mean, uh, John 1 41, it says this. It says, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. And told him, we have found the Messiah. 
Now, a lot of people go, man, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to invite people. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know how to share, you know, Jesus with people. Here's, here's how you do it. You share your story. Tell what you know. God isn't concerned about you trying to know all the Bible and know, man, I don't know all these scriptures and I don't, it don't matter. Just share what you know. Tell your story. Cause how many of you know, nobody can argue with your story. So when you share what God's doing in your heart, they were like, nah, uh-uh. I'm like, dude, that's my story. You can't tell me what my story is. This is what God did. This past week, um, we had a, a pastor's retreat and um, got away for a couple of days um, with all of our churches, met with all of our churches all across the nation. And, um, and so we were in Mandeville and we were driving back uh, to, to Jennings. And, and so it's, it's lunchtime. And anytime it's lunchtime, I specifically make sure that we're in Baton Rouge for lunchtime. See, because it's my responsibility, let me just tell you, it's my responsibility as your pastor to feed you spiritually and to also feed you physically. <laughs> it is, listen, I want to bring you to the promised land spiritually and with food. Remember, I have a spiritual gift of eating. And so, and so I wanted to make sure that, that our team, we, we were eating well. And so we go to one of my favorite places in all of Baton Rouge. And, and listen, anybody in here love meat? Any meat eaters in here? Okay. If you're vegetarian, you don't belong here. Um, I'm, I'm just kidding. You're welcome here. You're just going to be miserable because everybody's going to be eating meat around you. Um, I, I love meat. There's, there's no better place other than if you go to one of those Brazilian steakhouses or something. But, uh, but I'm a pastor, so I don't have that kind of money. Um, so I go to the next best thing, which is TJ Ribs. Anybody been to TJ Ribs in Baton Rouge? It's the promised land. I, I honestly think TJ Ribs will be on the banquet table that Jesus has when we get to heaven. It'll be, you want to see what's going to be on it? This is what's going to be on it right here. This right here. Yeah, yeah, all of you. You just salivated, right? You were just drooling right now as you saw this. This is what's called the TJ barbecue platter. This is glory. I mean, like the light is shining on the plate. Like this is amazing. For some of you, like that's terrible. For us as men, this is heaven. This is, this is smoked sausage and barbecue ribs and barbecue chicken and barbecue sliced brisket with on, on a plate of french fries. This is, the, the hospital is right next to this place, by the way. Just waiting on people to have a heart attack as they walk out of the place. Just fall out. Had a meat coma. <laughs> By the way, Lindsay and I split this. I just want to let you know. She got the fries. I got the meat. This is, uh, this is a place I love. Um, I, I, I think, like I said, I think this is going to be in heaven next with some raisin cane sauce. Um, we're going to have it all. Um, if you go, go, go check it out. Just, just, just come and see. I'll use Jesus' words. Come and see. This is, this is how easy it is, by the way, to share with people how much you love Jesus. It didn't, you, didn't, you don't have to convince me to talk about T.J. Ribs. I love talking about T.J. Ribs. I'll talk about T.J. Ribs. We'll back, we can go. You want to go, man? By the way, I'm, I'm hungry now. Because what you love, you talk about. Trust me. You see anybody have uh, their firstborn? Have you watched their Facebook profile after they had their firstborn? You're like, do they have any other things in their life other than the firstborn? 
I can only take so many pictures of that firstborn. I have to block them for a season until they have their secondborn. Then I'll accept them back. It's true, isn't it? Don't lie. You know it because you do it. Why? Because we love to talk about what we love. And when you realize what God has done for you, and you realize who he is, and then you realize you get to be a part of it with other people, of course you're going to talk about how much you love Jesus, how much you love your church, how much you love people. Why? Because you love what you talk about. And that, that's the same right here because we are, we are messengers. And so it, I'm not talking about being fake, by the way. People are turned off by fake. So I'm not talking about like people go around and say, man, how are you doing? You're like, Blessed. Like it's like a burp or something, you know, <laughs> blessed. Like, really? Like that put that like, that's like TV preacher with like pink hair and all that. Like, that's blessed. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being real and sharing your story. I'm, I'm talking about you being able to be transparent about what's going on. Hey, listen, if you were a drug addict, tell it. If you had a jacked up marriage, tell it. Cause there's other people that are in that same thing that need to hear about hope that you found. And when we don't tell and we don't show our scars, then it doesn't help anybody else. But how many know when you show your scar and go, this is what happened to me, but man, I survived. Jesus was good. We're going to tell it. We're going to tell the world what Jesus has done. We are messengers. Let me, let me show you another one. Second uh, Corinthians five nineteen. it says this, it says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Can I get an amen for that one? That is what's called the gospel, by the way. Jesus doesn't count our sins against him. Jesus paid the price. So this is the message. Now watch this. Here's the best part, though. That's the message. That's what Jesus has done. And now he's going, okay, now let me tell you what you need to do. And he gave us, us, this wonderful message of reconciliation. You and I are messengers. So God says, listen, I have forgiven you. I've wiped you clean. I've given you a new start. I've given you a new heart. I've given you a new marriage. I've given you new life. And guess what now your job is to do? Just tell people. Just tell people. We are messengers. All right, let me give you the next one. We are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. So John 1, 42 says, then Andrew, so this is what happens. So Andrew meets Jesus. He hangs out with Jesus, has this incredible encounter with Jesus. First thing is I got to go find my, my brother, Simon goes, finds his brother, Simon tells his Simon as a message. Hey man, this is some great news. Listen, I found the Messiah, man. And then he doesn't stop there. He then the next verse says, then Andrew, what brought Simon to what? To meet Jesus. So he didn't even just invite him. Like, man, you need to come check him out sometime. He said, no, no, no. Hey, listen, I'm going to pick you up at nine. You're going to come. You're going to come with me. And then he brings him to meet Jesus. Which, by the way, that's a lot better when it comes to trying to get people to church. Just tell them you'll pick them up. <laughs> but he brings them to Jesus because we are ambassadors. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. It says, so we are Christ. What? We are his ambassadors. God is now look at this. God is making his appeal through us. He's trying to get people. How does he do it? Through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. 
You know, I've had, um, there's, there's a number of you, and I, man, I've been so excited because a number of you have just been actively inviting and bringing new people here to our church. And if you're here new because somebody brought you, they're, they're taking this actually into, into play. They're, they're practicing this. And, and I've had, I had a couple weeks ago, actually, I had um, a, a, somebody come up to me and they said, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, such and such is here. It was a family member of theirs that was here. They're here for the first time. I'm like, man, that's so excited. I'm so excited for you. And he, and, and he leaned in. He says, don't screw it up. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? He's like, just bring it. <laughs> said, okay. Like, what side are you going to be on? I'll bring it extra on one side or another. I mean, which one is, gonna, which one is it going to go down on? I don't know. Don't screw it up. Because how many know when you, when you bring somebody for the first time, all of a sudden you're, you're looking and you're listening through their ears, right? Everything you're doing through your, their ears, you're like, man, I hope it's going to be friendly. I hope somebody shakes their hand. I hope somebody says hello. Or I hope nobody says hello to them. They don't like that. They're a germaphobe. They don't want anybody touching them. And, they, they do, and I hope, and, and, I, and man, I hope, I hope Pastor Josh preaches really well. And man, I, I hope they don't sing that song. I don't like it. It's a little too long. It's a little weird. I hope they sing another song. And then, like, how many know that's actually happening? And then when I go, okay, all heads, all heads down, all eyes closed. How many know you got one eye open? You kind of like, you kind of like. You're trying, you're, trying to, you're trying to be reverent of the moment, but you're also looking. And you're just looking to see if that hand goes up. You're seeing, you know, you're just trying to look over throughout the message and just seeing, are they laughing? Are they smiling? Are they, are they doing anything? Are they just like... Because you're concerned about how they're experiencing it. Because now you have special interest in them. Y'all see how this works? And now you see and you look and you hear everything through them. And so, and then if they do raise their hand, how many know there's something inside you that's like, yes! It's like a touchdown. But then from there, you realize like, oh, no. I got to help them now. <laughs> right? And so this is, this is, listen, this is how it works. But that, that's what it means when it says that we are ambassadors. Let, let me show you how this worked out too. Okay, here's another Facebook uh, uh, story. Same question. Just the storyline of how this works. And I want you to see how this works. This is so cool. So cool. So this is Heather Frugier. Heather and Joey. Um, y'all know. Joey, I'm Catholic. And so Heather and Joey. Okay, so this is what she posted. I want you to see it. So I, I put all these together. I want you to see how cool this is. So Heather says, our, our son, Job Frugier, and our daughter, Faith. Faith is right over here. Um, well, she's not anymore. Oh, she left. So she just had a baby. Uh, she invi- they invited us, and I'm so glad that they were persistent and didn't give up. Y'all see this persistent thing? How many know, by the way, sometimes people don't come just from the first invite. Sometimes you got to be persistent. Borderline harassing. Um, <laughs> so, so Heather and, and, and Joey come because of Job and, and, and Faith and, and Jennifer. So their son and daughter was coming here and God was doing something in them. And they said, mom and dad, we got to get mom and dad here. So they get mom and dad here. Well, here's a really cool thing. Mom and dad have an encounter with Jesus. They meet Jesus in a powerful way. And so the next one goes to their friend, Gina, who's here as well. And this is what Gina says. I met you, Pastor Bubba, and Pastor Zach when I was worked at the veterans' home. PB would invite me every single time he saw me. Then, now watch this, because it's like tag team. So you got the pastors going at you. Then you got a friend going at you. So then Heather started going and saved me a seat every Sunday until I showed up. How awesome is that? How many of you got a seat next to you? You're just waiting for somebody to come with it. You've been waiting. 
That's that whole idea of come sit with me. I, I, don't, I don't know how long this happened, but she saved her seat for so long. Here's the cool thing, though. Yet again, Job and Jennifer get Heather and Joey. Heather and Joey. G- Gina, you got to come. Gina finally comes, sits in the seat. Here's the cool thing. God shows up in Gina, though, right? And, and reached people. Okay, y'all weren't listening here. Okay. Reached people. Man, I tried to even make it rhyme to help you out. Reached people. Reached people. Okay, thank you. So Gina then, next, starts reaching out to her friend, Jamie, who's here as well. And she says, Gina, Gina invited me to go one Sunday, and after that first Sunday, I was hooked. I couldn't get enough of OC, love my church, and Gina, for opening up a whole new world to me. Do y'all see how this works? Jamie, by the way, you shouldn't thank Gina. You should thank Job. Thank you, Job. <laughs> I, I want you to look at this. Because of Job and Jennifer, because faith starts with family and friends, said, I want to get mom and dad here. Mom and dad, Heather and Joey said, man, I want to get our friend here. And so they get Gina. And then Gina says, I want to get my friend here. And she gets Jamie here. And this, let me tell you, by the way, this story could be probably said a hundred times here in different ways. How many of you are here because somebody invited you? Exactly. This is, but this is how this works. But listen, when Job and Jennifer invited Heather and Joey, did they know about Jamie? No. You don't know what's on the other side of your obedience. How many other people are going to be affected because you step out and say, listen, reach people, reach people. I'm going to reach somebody because they're going to reach somebody because they're going to reach somebody. How many know you're here today sitting in this room because of 12 men who reach somebody? Those 12 men took that gospel everywhere. And you and I are sitting in this church because those 12 guys multiplied to where we are today. Reached people, reached people. And here's the, the great thing about being ambassador as well. See, because not only does Andrew bring Simon to Jesus, here's the really cool thing now is you can bring Jesus to people. So now you don't have to just wait and wait and bring, bring people to the church. Here's the really cool thing. You are the church and you get to bring the church to people. So the Bible says, just like the Lord's prayer, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we as Christians get to bring heaven down to earth. That's what you and I get to do. The spirit of God lives inside of us. And so what that means is you and I get to bring Jesus and bring heaven everywhere that we go. So you ain't going to your burger place and just passing out burgers at the drive-thru window. No, you bringing heaven up in Burger King. Right there in that drive-thru. You ain't just stirring if you're a little coffee barista. You are a special bean revivalist bringing heaven into that coffee as you give it off. Come on, how many got some heaven at Java Jolts before? Christy, you owe me. And so, listen, you aren't going to a nine-to-five job that just pays you a paycheck. You go into that job because you bring in heaven on the job where you are. You're going, I hope somebody here is sick. Because I believe that God heals and I'm going to pray for them. I hope somebody walks into this place depressed. You're looking around for depressed people. Oh, you depressed? Okay. And you're going to go and you're going to love that person because you're going to bring heaven to earth. This is what ambassadors do. Ambassadors are the representative of the person that they, that, they, that they come in the authority of. And so God says, you and I are the church. You don't come to church. You are the church. And so you get to go out of here and you get to go to your school and sit in your classroom and bring heaven into your schoolroom right there. And I'm preaching way better than you're responding. Kim and Becca, I need to get back to CrossFit. I've been winded. 
There are Simons all around you every day. And I I want you to hear me on this. And this is very, very, very key. Andrew didn't know what would happen with Simon. He just loved his brother. But Simon got changed too. Watch. Verse 42. So, So Andrew brings Simon to Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said... Your name is Simon. Wait, wait, well, hold up. How would you know my name? I don't know. Maybe him and maybe Jesus and Andrew were talking about Simon. Man, I'd love to see Simon come to meet you. I don't know. But Jesus shows up and he sees Simon. He says, your name is Simon. Now watch this. Son of John, but you will be called Peter. Write this down. One moment with Jesus can change everything. <laughs> One moment with Jesus can change everything. Andrew brought Simon and Jesus changed him to Peter. Because here's the truth. When you meet Jesus, he doesn't teach you. He transforms you. He doesn't just teach you some good stuff. And, hey, let me teach you the rules of how we do all this. And let me do all... No, no, listen. God could care less about the rules. When he showed up, he could care less about all the rules. All the Pharisees are mad because he was always breaking the rules. Jesus just wanted to help people. Love people, serve people. This is, he comes and, and his whole goal with Peter is to transform Simon into Peter. And here's the truth. Andrew had no idea that Simon would become Peter. And by the way, if you come from the Catholic background, you'll know that Peter was the first pope, right? Yeah. And you know that Peter was also the one who started the church. So the person who started the church, Peter the apostle, started out as Peter the fisherman. Think about that for a minute. Peter the fisherman became Peter the apostle who started the church, who eventually became a pope in the Catholic church, who most of us here are today because of what the church has done is because of Peter. Don't thank Peter, thank Andrew. Y'all with me here? Don't thank Peter, thank Andrew. Here's the question. I wonder how many Peters are out there in our lives that are Simons right now. But when they meet Jesus, they'll become Peters. And then they're going to change the world. But they're waiting on you. Right now, they're just a Simon. But if they would meet Jesus, because one moment with Jesus can change everything, he can make them a Peter. And maybe years down the road, they'll look back and go, thank God for Job Frugier. Thank God for, and maybe they might name you. Maybe not. If you go and you read the rest of the Gospels, Andrew's only mentioned four times. You know how many times Peter's mentioned? He is the second most mentioned person in the New Testament next to Jesus. We don't hear really much about Andrew after this. Because I think Andrew's whole job was to get his brother to Jesus. And he succeeded. What do you think yours is? Who's sitting there waiting on you to say yes? Imagine what would have happened if Andrew was like most Christians and he wanted to keep Jesus to himself. Most Christians want to just keep their Jesus stuff in here. Let's just keep the Jesus stuff in here. I'm cool with the Jesus stuff in in the church. Let's not put the Jesus stuff out there. But the, but the church became the church because Jesus was out there. I, I, let me, I want to, I want to, I want to wrap all this up with one, one last thing. And that is this. 
We have to fight the disease of me. If you want to take your notes there, we have to fight the disease of me. I want, I want you to see this because everything we do at this church revolves around reaching people. It does not revolve around you. Everything that we do here, and I'm going to give you kind of a, a, a pastoral warning because the casualty of a growing church is often personal comfort. You know, like you used to have like your seat and your, you know, you like your space and you're like, man, I don't like all these new people here. And they're like all up in my space and I like to worship like this and now I have to worship like this. And like now the worship team, you know, I, I need them to like be singing like the key of A because the A is where I really get my praise on and they're not singing in the key of A anymore. And I mean, Pastor, Pastor Bubba's not here and I really like Pastor Bubba and he's not here that much anymore. And I really don't like that. And I would really like him to be here more. And y'all with me? I got to walk on those crazy rocks in that parking lot and break my heels i to walk my kids 300 yards to go drop them off into something. <laughs> but uh, can I ask you this question? Who lied to you and told you it was all about you anyways? It never was about you. God wanted to do something in you, but he always wanted to do something in you because he wanted to do something in somebody else. And so it, actually God saving you wasn't just for you. It was actually for somebody else too. Y'all with me here? And so we've got we've to fight against the disease of me. The disease of me makes it all about me. And it's impossible to spot anybody else in need when you're consumed with your own. You can't help anybody else when all you're consumed with is yourself. And so that's why I love that our dream team comes, gets here early and serves and does what they do. And the people that are in the back and serving and all the people that are here that are serving in ways to make sure that you have an environment where you can meet with Jesus. Because they've all said, it's not about me. It's not about me. And the disease of me will kill this church and what God wants to do. But if we fight it and we kill that disease, we can continue to grow. If we can go, man, I'm glad there's so many people by me because you know what? That means those people are meeting Jesus. Who cares about my personal comfort? We've got to fight the disease of me. We've got to fight outside of the disease of me to invite people and bring people and invest in people and invite people into your homes. Say, hey, come have dinner with me. Let us cook for you. Let's get to know you. Hey, would you bow your heads all across this room? I, wanna, I, I want us to pray. This is, of course, one of those messages where you've got to kind of do some personal examination in, in your own heart. Maybe life for you has been all about me. It has been the, the disease of me has infected you. It's been all about you. And I, I'm here to tell you that you're, you're not going to understand how incredible life can be until you realize it's not about you. The most discouraged people on the planet are the ones who think that at some point they're going to get something that's going to ultimately fulfill them when it's really only Jesus that does. But when we live for the pleasure of God, when we, the point of our life is to point people to Jesus and we go, God, it's not about me. You're going to experience life in a whole new way. But I, I want to pray for those in here that maybe it's been all about you. And today you're just realizing all that Jesus has done for you. And you want to surrender to him and say, God, it's, you know, it's no longer needs to be about me. It needs to be about you. I've realized that a lot of the pain that's in my life has become because it's been all about me. And you want to experience the joy and life that comes with knowing God. If that's you in this place and you'd say, Pastor Josh, I, I would just like you to pray for me for that. Nobody look around. Would, would, you, would you just raise your hand right there where you are? Thank you. Right here. Man, hands going up all over the place. Thank you. Right here in the center over here on the right. Thank you. Right there in the back. Thank you so much. Right there. Thank you. Thank you. Best decision you'll ever make, by the way. Best decision you'll ever make.
I want us to pray all this together, and we're going to pray this all aloud because this is a uh, this is a declaration we honestly need to make every single day. And so, would you just say this? Say, say Jesus, thank you for paying for my debt today. I declare I am a sinner in need of grace. Thank you for washing me clean, for giving me a new start. I repent of my ways, of my selfishness, and I turn to you. Create in me a clean heart. From this day forward, I'll follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate all those who...